I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at PurePleasureShop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. We're recording from our sexy hotel room in Los Angeles. It actually is quite sexy. It's the really SLS. You walk in and there's like red Ooh. carpeting and mirrors and mm-hmm. it is quite sexy. Bang worthy. Yeah, uh, the mirrors everywhere. Uh, actually, yeah. That's so. That's like the sign, at least to me, of a, of a bang worthy room is there's mirrors everywhere. You can watch yourself. Have you been to hotels? Where they don't have mirrors anywhere, like only in the bathroom, one small mirror for your face. Oh, yeah. But no other mirrors. Yeah. I've actually gotten irritated before. Boring. Like, Where do you have a well, mirror? Well, we have these sliding doors. We can move it a little to the left, and then you and I could bang on my bed and watch ourselves. Yeah. Should we do that right now? No. All right, we got to go. Bye. <laughs> yeah, we would don't bang. We're here on a podcast tour to um, connect with other podcasters about our upcoming book. We just guested on the Double Teamed podcast with Cami and Nikki, and they're so fucking fun. awesome. That was so fun. They're their twins. Episodes, they're twins. And they're gorgeous twins. And they're hilarious and, they're so and very funny. intelligent, wonderful humans. And our episode will be airing on their show in early November. And we will also put that episode on our show because you have to hear them. They're awesome. Tomorrow, we go on Sex with Emily, which was our original inspiration know. for podcasting. So it's that's a big full deal. circle, Amy. Full circle. Because the last time we were on together Ooh. was 2017, January. With her. And together, that, yeah. Because you've been on her show. I did, yeah. Without me, you were there with your partner. Right. And then she's been on our, on our show twice. This is the first time we're back. Right. We're back in her with pre-podcast game and now with a podcast and an upcoming book. Yes. Look at us. I can't wait. I love her. And she just wrote a book. Yeah. And it's a book. She was book, on her book. show recently, yeah. She was. Yeah. So, so this episode is with Zachary Zane, who wrote Boy Slut, a memoir and manifesto. He's fucking awesome. Um, we were just talking about his Substack. Was it yesterday on a call? Yes. And he yes. has these topics that are like I got paid to have sex with this woman while her man watched, and then he, he jizzed, he jizzed on, on in his, his own eyeball. In I his mean, own that, eyeball. Yes. that's a terrible example. Right. It's probably not what he said, but, <laughs> but the topics and the titles are awesome and brilliant. And this show, when we recorded, when he was on our podcast, it was a, it was a couple of months ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was so backlogged. He was not only so much fun to talk to yeah. his perspective. He's a genius writer. So yeah. he has the book he writes. He's been a writer, a columnist for, um, I think men's health amongst other publications. So he's been writing for a long time, but he came out with his manifesto not too long ago yeah. and having him on the show. He's just, he's brilliant. And this was a really fun podcast. I wanted to meet him in person and he's fucking shameless. He's I mean, totally he, shameless. I think his book also talks about 
the path to get there because he hasn't always been right but he is so it's so like fits in with shameless sex hence what i just said about some of the titles for his articles uh so stay tuned and you will learn some things also be entertained and inspired he is absolutely wonderful we're sorry we couldn't release this earlier well i don't know if zach's going to listen to this but i want to say uh, we had a lot of one thing i know so many zachs by the way i know it's a great name i love zach i do too i love zach Uh, so much real quick if y'all aren't uh checking us out on instagram we're doing a um it's not even a it's not a contest it's for anyone that pre-orders our book yes you get this free workshop that we created but we're also doing an instagram i don't want to call it a contest but it's like basically you submit anytime you purchase a hard cover or something it is a raffle but a raffle sounds so weird fucking giveaway over a thousand (laughs) dollars worth of products from our from various um folks that have sponsored the podcast but cozy earth yeah. love they, yeah, it's not just sex toys no it's not it's uh also there's a calm um premium subscri- subscription you can just go on instagram and check it out it's a month countdown to yeah. our book release but it will be over people love free stuff yeah. and right now is the time it's over a thousand dollars of free stuff Good time and then now. if you only buy one or two copies you still can get something but if you buy three five six seven eight nine ten you get ten different entries and the time is now thing. the pre-sales matter so everyone as you have heard our book here so don't tune out as we talk about this by the way our book is fucking fantastic it's the book that we wish we had at all ages of our life when we were sexual beings or in relationships and we'll continue to wish we have except that we wrote it so we have it um, but you should probably have it too in our opinion whatever regardless whatever age you are 18 to 98 I don't know 108 whatever age you are if you can and, see yeah if you can if see, you can uh, see. Uh, also there's an audio book, book so, there you go uh, there yeah you, you go. can also hear uh, no excuses <laughs> yeah, no excuses maybe we'll get it done in maybe some eventually we'll have a hologram of us and Ooh. we'll come out and talk to them yeah. and show them things that's future everyone yes yes so if you love us please 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 go pre-order our book it helps to get the book out there to more people when you order the book you're basically doing a public service because when we get on lists for our book for based on all the sales uh, it gets on in more people's th- uh, feeds or th- in their threads threads is that the word yeah, yeah. and uh, so people who don't have access to shameless sex get access to it. a lot of people need that so please go and do that go to shamelesssex.com you'll see the link on there you pre-order the hardcover please and then you can also get the audio but the hardcover is really what helps with the pre-sale campaign and it's anywhere books are sold so if you prefer to order through a different outlet I ordered from Santa Cruz Bookshop I ordered bookshop.org I ordered through Barnes and Noble I ordered from Amazon anywhere that books are sold you can find this book all the waters of the ordering platforms we are but you will find our book everywhere books are sold so thank you for listening to that what do they get if they order it only for pre-order yeah, you get that. Special. You get that very provocative but highly amazing workshop that we made. Yes, for free, and then also a bunch of other free stuff if you order it yeah. anyway. Basically, you you get a deal if you pre-order, and if you wait till later, you get a great book, but you're not getting all the goodies. That's so go do it now. Only for you, that's pre-ordering. If you really love me, you pre-order. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> we're going that direction. Yeah, it's we're, true. We're I told my now. mom, I'm like, how many copies did you order? You clearly don't love me that much. <laughs> She's like, oh my god, <laughs> so this rocks wrong with you. Yeah. I know. <laughs> there, yeah. That this is, is not, not in the book. <laughs> so we don't talk like that in our book. We no. teach other forms of communication that you can't find <laughs> in our podcast, but it's not what we just did. Okay. Okay, ready for a sex question? Yeah. All right. I have been trying to ask my husband to tell me his fantasies and he drew a blank. I know he has them because I've walked in on him masturbating even though we didn't have sex for a while. And note, this isn't how it always is and we've had great sex over the past week. What do you think I can do to help 
him tell me what he wants. I'm usually shy, but your podcast has opened me up. Pun intended. I want to say something because I love this question and also can relate to the dude masturbating. Because you were that guy. I'm like that dude sometimes. But I sometimes will have sex with my partner and orgasm and then later in the day my partner will be off doing something and i'm like i'm just gonna masturbate and sometimes i'm like i wonder if he's gonna walk in right now does it turn you on even more though kind of and that's what i'm like (laughs) maybe because it's not like a shameful thing i'm like not in the closet baiting although sometimes i have the windows open so i do go in the bathroom and shut the door because i don't want my dog to see you bait in the bathroom you have a big bathroom so (laughs) it's a nice bathroom Uh, but so this is why you don't want your dog to see (laughs) oh my god your dog has seen you banging it out i know but it's just sometimes i'm just when it's just him and in the house, I'm like, no, he's like, this is my own. I can see time. my mom doing deep anal, but I can't <laughs> see her masturbating. <laughs> so, this clearly isn't about me, this question, but I just want to say I relate and think that perhaps that could be a layer to this person, like mm-hmm. to the, the, the dynamic. Maybe. I don't know, um, but I know that has happened. And there have been times where my partner was like, Did you masturbate? Like, I feel like he feels the motor of my vibrator and it's like, Is this thing warm? Is this like yeah. the, the engine is still on? <laughs> or it's like the motor like, return on and it's like, Dad, he's like, What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or there'll be like five charging around the house. He's like, so what went down here? Yeah. Well, so I, what, so I love that. I love all that. When something <laughs> that came to mind here was, I mean, we talked about this in our book actually. Um, and it's not just us talking about this. We brought, uh, we were speaking or quoting, speaking from or quoting uh, Dr. Allison Ash and Ju- um, Dr. Justin Lay Miller. Isn't she, doesn't she hold the record, Dr. Allison Ash, for the, the most, most podcasts on our um, show? Um, she's been guest, guested yeah. on her. Alicia and Air One, I would imagine. I think she yeah. may have. Yeah. One up, but not that I was just thinking that because we, we love her. She's just so dinners. knowledgeable. Yeah. yeah so, so there's a, a chapter in the book that um, is not just about fantasies, but is about better understanding yourself and also how to communicate about sex, um, how to also uh, understand navigating fantasies. And I think what we were sharing this is, is again, how to understand your fantasies and how to, to share with people. But I, I think that one of the greatest challenges with those pieces are people are terrified to say I have a fantasy other than something with you Mm. or I have a fantasy of something that you might not be into because we've never talked about it. You've never expressed that you're into it. It might be different from what most people are doing. I remember, do you remember the first time someone asked you about your fantasies? Yeah, I hated that. What what would be the first time, the very first time? What? Well, I remember mine. I mean, I always hated trying to like figure out what I wanted to say. And I had an answer. Oh, okay. But it was not exciting. It was a terrible example. What'd you say? But this is shower sex. Oh, I was, I had only had penetrative sex like three times. And my partner at the time, Mm -hmm. the one that the the ex-boyfriend that was like my childhood best friend who like broke up me a week after we both lost our, not lost our, we had sex. We (laughs) never, we had never had sex before with anyone and had sex and he broke up me a week later. But he was like, what's like, do you have any fantasies? We're so actually now I think about it. Like good for him. That actually is a quite an advanced question for a teenager. And I was like, I think having sex in the shower and now I'm like, I don't like that. You could say that though. (laughs) Oh, I kind of knew that for some reason. I don't know why that was like arousing, but I think now I'm like sex in the shower. That's like small, small potatoes, but it's different (laughs) for everyone. And so my advice here is instead of asking the big, bold question, like, do you have any fantasies? It's a huge leap. First of all, buy our book so you can have more advice on how to deal with this because it goes way in depth beyond us. But start with small things, not just like, tell me what your fantasies are. And in fact, 
I would say lead by example. Like, hey, I listen to this podcast. They talk about something that's really hot. And I've noticed I've been kind of like thinking about it when we're having sex or when I'm touching myself or just like daydreaming and it kind of turns me on. What do you think about it? Do you have anything that you think about? So you kind of like give an example, but don't go to the big leap of like gangbangs, you know, or whatever, or like double penetration. Maybe it's just like, I don't know, um, being watched, you know, us having sex and someone watching like some sort of exhibitionist or voyeur sex. And then you're kind of planting the seed and leading the way. And you can't pressure them though. You can't be like, I just asked you what, like, I get told you what I want. And then ask you what you want or or what I am into, what you're into. And now you're not sharing with me. So me, and then, so I'll I'll end with this because maybe you can also do some like light probing things. Like, well, what about this? Do you ever fantasize about this? Like, does anal turn you on? So what I want to say about this is when you buy our book, you get our online workshop. And we went, a hilarious thing that happened in oh, our online yeah, workshop. We're filming it in lingerie in your apartment. <laughs> and April's like, I hope the doorbell doesn't ring. It'd be super rare because it like, never rings. Of course, <laughs> mid mid shoot, the doorbell rings. Your dog's barking. I'm like mid like massaging it you. It all went to hell for a minute. But I was we like kept trying it in there because it's hilarious because it's like, all just oh. organic. Well, I think I had a sign for something, which was why it never <laughs> happened. So I had to run down there and I was like, hi. You know, yeah, did you put like a robe on or yeah, something? Yeah, put a robe on and that so dude we're was like, keeping like, it in the video we're keeping it in yeah to show yeah. that shit happens okay anyways what it do you have to say well, <laughs> so uh, i just want to reference some podcast episodes because we have done quite a few which is also um you've mentioned the book a few times amy but we did kind of make like just concise versions about fantasies about how to drop in and and not only mm-hmm. voice yours how to like how do you ask for what you want in the bedroom which is a great chapter but we took there's a lot of content on fantasies because fantasies are fun and you yeah. can explore them. So there's episode, you talked about Alison, Alison, Ash. I do that Alison, every time. Alison, uh, like Sean Connery. Yeah. Sean Connery. <laughs> so episode 253, um, keeping it hot with fantasies. And then also there's, um, the episode with Dr. Justin Lay Miller, who mm-hmm. is, he's one of the leading researchers on, on the science yeah. of fantasies. And we had him on the show. It's episode 98. Think and about they're both in our book. Too, they're, yeah. And they're both in our book. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to tap into learning about that before the book comes out, um, Um, Because you can pre-order, but you might not get it in time to learn about your fantasies right now. You can access um, these episodes in the meantime. And it it is difficult to speak to your fantasies if you aren't good at speaking to what you want or your partner isn't. Mm Because it sounds like you want to know what he wants. Um, You could ask for each of you to write down um, some things and then share them together. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's very it could be very personalized and also safer that it can feel like you have this intimate sharing of fantasy evening. And remember, you don't have to act out. Fantasies don't ever mean that this is what you want to happen. They can, but they don't have to mean that. And sometimes you might be in the midst of having a fantasy that's lived out and then you realize that, whoa, this is awkward and I don't want to do this at all. This is not my fantasy. I have fantasies of non-consensual acts of sexual violence. I don't want that to happen. The step fantasy. I never want that to happen ever. The cat, taxi cab thing, though, come on! I think yeah. you want that to happen. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, uh, yeah it's, but so it's it's diverse, and that again, that's in our book, absolutely. and that what Dr. Justin Lay Miller and Allison Ash say is 
Like, and so maybe that's another reason why your partner is not sharing. And Midori. With, with, yeah. Midori talked about role play and fantasies yeah. too. They don't have to overlap. And so maybe your partner doesn't want to share them because they're like, hmm, you'll think that I definitely want to do this or it's super fucked up or something. And, you know, your spank bank is your spank bank. Our, what happens in our minds is ours. It's, so, it's what we do within the outside world that can get a little tricky because we have to deal with consent, boundaries, respecting other humans. But your spank bank, you get wild. If I told you about the dream that I had last night, you would be probably like, what the fuck is you wrong did, with you? You talked Amy? about on the double teamed podcast. So tune yeah, into that. So I yeah, just tune into that because you'll hear about it. And that's just my brain. It doesn't mean I'm actually going to go do the thing that I want to do the thing. But I got turned on by it. My brain's wild. Okay. That's okay. what's the beauty about human <laughs> brains. It's our largest luck. sex organ. Good All luck right. to you. I love and, that. I know. Partner. I yeah. like the pun too. And I like that they said pun intended. Yeah. Has opened me up. Yeah. All right. Well, love, thank you. We're what, yeah, you're welcome for opening you up. And oh. stay open. And thank only, you. Only at the right times. All right. Yeah, you ready for the bio? Yes. Zachary Zane is a Brooklyn-based columnist, sex expert, and activist whose work focuses on sexuality, culture, and the LGBTQ community. He is the author of Boy Slut, a memoir and manifesto, and co-author of Men's Health, Best Sex Ever. And his work has been featured in the New York Times, Rolling Stone, Washington Post, Playboy, and so many more. To learn more, go to ZacharyZane.com. All right, everyone, it is interview time, and we are here with a new guest, but we are so excited. Or and, I should say. I don't know why there's a button there. Who? I mean, I like a butt, but not that kind of butt. And we're so excited uh, with Zachary Zane, author of Boy Slut, A Memoir and Manifesto. Uh, and I love Zachary. Can we call you Zachary going Zachary? Uh, Zachary is fine. Z- Zach. I, I, I think we can say Zach. We're there. Zach. Okay. Zach, Zachary, Zachary Zane. I like the name though. Zachary Zane. Sounds good. Right. Zach that, that's yeah. why it's I do a, it. Yeah. yeah. Double Z. Right. We're going to call you Zachary. Zachary Zane. <laughs> um, I might say your whole name the whole time, like your full name, because it just sounds awesome. And his book is incredible. And it, while it is a memoir, it's also very informative, educational. You can walk away with so many different pieces on how to live life in maybe it's a slutty way, maybe it's a shameless way, which put both of us together. Hey, hey. Uh, and that one, shameless plug. Yeah, there's so many fun, wonderful pieces there. And we are going to learn all about them. And you already heard a little bit about Zachary Zane in the intro. But Zachary Zane, can you please tell us or us and our listeners a little bit more about how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality? Ooh, sure. Uh, so... Originally, actually, I thought I was going to get a PhD in clinical psychology. I was working at Harvard Medical Center as a smoking cessation researcher and counselor. So figuring out the best way to get people to quit smoking cigarettes. I took my GRE. I was ready to apply to grad school. I had a panic attack. I was like, for this seemingly altruistic profession, they are cutthroat, they are nasty, they steal your work. And then it's like six years of a PhD, three years of postdoc, and then you just write grants until you die. And I'm like, this actually sounds terrible. I hate this. So I started writing a little bit. I was like writing fiction at my desk and I wrote a novel that I'm terrified to look at because I was 22 and I'm sure it's god awful. But I learned like in order to get like an agent and to get it sold, you had to write other things for the websites. So I wrote a piece for Exojane, if you remember that site. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know. They yeah. would give you like $50 for you to like bear your soul 
And it had this like faux feminist lens. So it would literally be like the most outrageous titles possible where it'd be like, I got an abortion and used the umbilical cord to strangle my husband and danced on his grave. Yay, feminism. And you're like, what the fuck? What? Wow. But I wrote a piece for them. And what they titled it was, I came out as bisexual and can't date anyone gay or straight. And what the article was about was how I really struggled to embrace my bisexuality. And then finally, once I did, I really I thought the world was going to be my oyster. I thought, you know, all women would love to date me and all gay men would love to date me. And I had a rude awakening. Uh, women would not date me. They were so afraid I was using the label as a stepping stone on the way to being, you know, full-blown gay. And they were afraid I was going to leave them. And then gay men were just extremely condescending. They'd be like, oh, honey. I was by two. You'll get there. Oh. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. Like, like, yeah. like, like absolutely not. Then I fell in love with this bi- uh, woman. And like, it, it was just incredible to feel so accepted, so embraced, so understood. She wasn't worried I was going to leave her for a man. I wasn't worried about appearing too effeminate or checking out a guy or like having to be someone that I'm not. So I wrote this piece and it went viral in a way that I was not expecting. And it's because at the time, there was such a dearth of bisexual content. And the bi content, and this is almost a decade ago now, and the bi content that was out was 10 things to never say to a bisexual person or 10 myths about bisexuality. It was bi content to convince gay and straight people that we exist. It wasn't actually bi content for other bi people. So after this went viral, I actually started getting work to write about bisexuality, my experience with it. And I started writing content like by a bi person for bi people. So like how to deal with internalized biphobia, how to date as a bi person. When can you call yourself bi? You know, the intersection of bisexuality and polyamory. And there was also very little male bisexuality being written about at the time. So I really just became known as the bi guy and just like blew up from that and from that i kind of expanded out so i was talking about you know predominantly bisexuality in the beginning then just all queer sexuality then male sexuality and now just you know i have the sex and relationship advice column at men's health i have the non-monogamy column at cosmo you know i speak to all genders sexualities all ages but it really started with the niche being bisexual and then kind of going out from there Love it. And you are, you're such a gifted writer. And clearly, we love your book. And Thank you. It's, it's great. Check out Boys Let Everyone. That we'll say that many times. So oh, yeah. we want to go through with you your own personal journey. We talked a little bit about it before we started recording, a step-by-step process towards embodying your ultimate sexual self, because this is sure. therapy, right? But can we start with the first chapters of the book, which am I a sex-obsessed pervert, and am I addicted to porn? Yeah, sure. So let's let's start. Let's start. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I have to admit, I love the titles that I came up with for each chapter. I do take a lot of pride in them. I I love coming up with a good, raunchy, ridiculous title. But the idea of so, am I obsessed, sex obsessed, sex obsessed pervert? Wow, tongue twister. Twister um, is. I really wanted to explain in that chapter how universal sex negativity is and like uh, and puritan culture is and how insidious it is because often i'd read these books a lot of like queer memoirs and it's always like a, a little gay boy from the south who gets kicked out of his family for being gay grew up in a really christian environment and had that level of sexual so he had a clear sexual shame and internalized homophobia and i'm like okay that makes sense why you have it 
I grew up uh, with two liberal parents, uh, like liberal Jews in, in Los Angeles. I had gay uncles on both sides of my family, my dad's brother, my mom's brother. I knew it was A-OK to be gay. We were a family where we'd see each other naked. It was not the end of the world. Like nudity was OK. And still, I had such sexual shame. And so the first chapter is I'm eight years old. I'm uh, in therapy and I, I'm struggling with imagining people naked. And this is part of kind of my OCD. This is one of my obsessions with I, I have OCD. And but it was kind of ruining my life. I would just imagine everyone naked like not. And it wasn't because I was attracted to them. It was because I thought thinking of people naked is bad. And because I tried not to do it, then I was doing it. So I'm in therapy and crying because I'm imagining my therapist naked in front of me as I'm telling him I'm imagining you naked. And he's explaining to me like nudity is not bad. Like only once you believe that will you stop having these obsessions. But yeah, so it was really important for me to explain that like essentially this book is for everyone. Yes, it's predominantly for, you know, bisexuals, queers, faggots, alternatives, polyamorous people, kinksters. Like, yes, definitely people on the outskirts. It's more for you. But it really was to illustrate that we all have a negative relationship with sex, unless if you've worked to unlearn that, or unless if you live in like a polyamorous commune in the middle of nowhere without Wi-Fi and it's like, you know, broken away from the rest of the world, maybe you don't have sexual shame. But the rest of us, if you exist in this world, you do. So I really wanted to set that from the beginning to be like, okay, we all struggle with this. And here was my journey to reaching a plate of embracing my sexuality and no longer being worried if I'm a sex obsessed pervert. So did you discover you're not addicted to porn? Yeah, and you're, right. You're not oh, it's not the first chapter. The <laughs> yeah. second chapter. So porn, I mean, the reason also why I start with these things is because the book is like a memoir. It is somewhat chronological, right? So that explains that as well. And porn was something I discovered, you know, 12, 13, which is I think the average age people see perceive porn now is like 11, which is horrifying. Uh, and maybe younger me. now, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it might be younger yeah. now. Turns out I'm not uh, addicted to porn. Uh, <laughs> who, who would have thought? And it's so funny because, you know, I knew how many people struggle with porn or are worried that they are addicted to porn because of my call of at Men's Health and like the number of questions I get about uh, being afraid that they have a porn addiction. And the thing is, porn can have a negative impact on your life. I'm not saying it doesn't, right? And I feel like, and I address this in the book, where it's sometimes, um, you know, obviously conservatives and religious zealots are like, all porn is terrible. It's all exploitation. It's awful. It's blah, blah, blah. And then you have very liberals and progressives who are so afraid to admit that porn could potentially have a negative impact on your life because they know that religious zealots and conservatives are going to manipulate their words. So they're like, oh, like porn is not bad in any way, shape or form. And I'm like, well, okay, like porn can have a negative impact on your life and it should behoove you to analyze your relationship with porn. If you're, you know, late to places because you're jerking off, if you're jerking off at work, if you no longer want to have sex with your wife, if you can't get hard because you're jerking off all the time. Uh, and again, there's been like a lot of studies that show like it's not necessary that porn like induces erectile dysfunction, but it can contribute to it in like various ways of being like, Obviously, like getting anxiety about not being good at sex, not being big enough. Uh, you get so used to having, you know, one on one sex can be very different when you're with someone else. 
But yeah, I think we all watch porn. It is such a controversial topic. And I wanted to have a really nuanced take being like, hey, porn can be an incredible thing in your life. It's a way to, you know, have release, to explore different fantasies, to learn new things. However, remember that it is fantasy. Mm -hmm. It is not real. Like, like this is not how real people have sex. And you don't need to feel any shame about watching porn. You're allowed to enjoy your desires. If you see that, okay, th this might be interfering with my romantic relationships. Doesn't mean porn is bad. Just take a step back. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, agreed. I think that's, I say this to April sometimes, like, I think that porn's the reason why we have a job to help people to undo a lot of the stuff that's come with it from yeah. the shame to the trauma to all these different ideas. Unrealistic of, expectations. Yeah. yeah. How we should be as sexual beings or even romantic beings. And, and you know, we, you know, we love porn as uh, for entertainment and, but mm -hmm. not as an educator. And there is exactly. educational porn out there that's awesome. Like Tristan Tormino's work. Love all that stuff. Like love mm -hmm. that. And uh, Jessica Drake has some. Nina Hartley too. Yeah. But a lot of, and where it, Make love, a, not porn. Right. It's too, still like, which is just more realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's, you, so you can still watch it and get turned on. It can be super hot and heavy. And yet it still is like, or is educational, informative in trying to be as realistic as it can be. I can so. get turned on from PG-13 movies sometimes. Uh, like, oh. I mean, you know, you know my thing with Melrose Place back in the I day. Know, okay. Exactly. That's where I learned about my rape fantasies. So, um, <laughs> and I was 10. Or uh, acts of sexual violence. Yeah. Time for a quick break so we can tell you about our carefully chosen sponsors. Please stay tuned and buy their products because we only tell you about what we love and what we truly believe in, and it helps keep this podcast free to you. What's up, Shameless Sex Fam? Is your sex life important to you? Hmm. What about your relationships? And also... Let me ask you this. Who can relate to this story? Things were once so good in the bedroom with my partner, and now it's a mess, and I don't know what to do. Where's or, my happily ever after, yeah, where's Amy? My yeah, yeah, what about me? Or how about so many aspects of my life are fantastic, but when it comes to sex and relationships, I feel so lost. Yep, been there. Uh, mm -hmm. Me too. Mm -hmm. And this is why you all need Shameless Sex, the, the book. book. We give you simple, simple solutions and a framework that you can use. You can customize it to you. Yes, you gives you the tools, the right tools for your sex and relationship. So you get what you desire and it's fun. It's playful, right, Amy? We're always playful. It's kind of sexy. And did I mention how easy we make it for you? You have to check out Shameless Sex. Plus the testimonials, they're coming in from everywhere. And this book has helped people just like you recreate and create the sex life of their dreams. So you can do it too. Go to, where are they going, Amy? Shamelesssex.com. Oh, how easy is that? Just go to shamelesssex.com and click on the book, okay? And you can get it however you choose. If you, you want, want hardcover, yeah. audio. Hardcover? We got you hardly yeah. covered. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree with all that. And I'm similar to you in that I grew up. Um, I wouldn't say my whole household was, was liberal because my dad certainly wasn't. But he just didn't give a fuck about me in general for the most part. So he wasn't really interfering with my sex life or dating life. Um, but my mom was really progressive. Yet I still grew up ashamed. Um, and I think it was more so for media and peers uh, and the people I was having, starting to have sex Teachers, with. Teachers, yeah. All the things, all these, these, like you said, if you're in a bubble, maybe on some commune, then you're fine. But the rest of us, even if you had the most progressive upbringing, 
in your home, it doesn't mean that the outside world won't get to you. So I love exactly. all of that. It also could be stored in your DNA from from generational yeah. trauma, which we, yeah. there's new studies emerging all the time about how there's at least four four generations of trauma that we can store. And who knows if that shows up with damn Jesus. Jesus. I don't even want to look back at that, yeah. but I will I'll go to, I'll who go, knows I'll go to great, our hip. We have great, a great, great hypnotist here. Yes. She's wonderful. Okay. So, cause we're kind of moving in like the, the order of your book. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like, so the, moving to the next uh, section here, there's um this, where's my light bulb moment experience that you're talking about. And I'm curious, sure. what is the, where's my light bulb experience all about? And what happened when you finally had your light light bulb experience is that like an aha <laughs> yeah so the light bulb experience is that aha moment and in the context i discuss it is you know i there have been rumors about me being gay for so long i knew i'd loved women so i'm like i'm not gay i didn't think bisexuality was real uh you know at the time there was very little bisexual visibility but i decided well you know my first week of college and i purposely went to college three thousand miles away from home because i think i needed to explore and i knew that subconsciously i can't be close to my family and friends and i didn't want rumors to get back to my temple or synagogue or whatever the fuck but like so my first week of college i hooked up with a guy and i had to get so drunk in order to do so actually while in the middle of him blowing me i left to go vomit twice oh, in the wow. middle of it like oh, i, I was like blacked out like i was really <laughs> yeah. hammered And but the thing is, I really expected when I made out with a guy or kissed a guy that I would know instantaneously, I would have this light bulb moment where I'm like, oh, my God, this is what real love is and attraction is. And every time I've hooked up with a woman, no, that wasn't real. That was fake. Now I understand what love and attraction desire are. I'm definitely gay. Or I would hook up with a guy and be like, yeah, no, no, this is clearly not for me. I am not enjoying this. Um, I'm straight. And so I I just was really hoping to have a level of clarity. And that didn't happen at all. And it didn't happen for a few reasons. Number one, I was so drunk, I I couldn't even be present in the moment. Number two, I'd put so much pressure on this experience that I couldn't even like, be like, I couldn't even focus on whether I was enjoying it or not. You know, I was like, does this make me gay? Does this make me straight? Am I liking this? Am I liking this? So like, I, I couldn't even like, I couldn't get out of my head which was, you know, then the point of drinking, but then I had to get so drunk in order to do it. Um, And so, yeah, it, it was really disappointing. And then for like five years, I would get hammered and hook up with guys. And like, at the time, I was still having sex with and dating a ton of women. They were aware of my shenanigans. And I kind of w- was very confused. I was very confused for a long period of time. And again, like, it's people sometimes ask, like, how did you not realize you were bisexual? And I'm like, there was no bisexual visibility. There was not a single, like, every, I did not know a single out bi man. Not one. Every bi guy I knew in college came out as gay shortly after. So even though I am egocentric, I'm not delusional. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm, I'm like, I can't be the only fucking bi guy in the entire <laughs> <No>. world. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, and that's why, you know, visibility really is so important, realizing that you're not alone. And obviously there are millions upon millions of bi people fucking everywhere, right? Like, but so that's why it was so challenging for me to embrace it. And eventually kind of what ended up happening, there were a few things that happened. I remember talking to my brother after college and he was like, Zach, you know, like you, you know, I hooked up with a few guys in college. I think your other brother did, our other brother did too. Realized it wasn't for me. Uh, You know, exploring is completely normal. Uh, You've been doing this for like half a decade. Like at some point, 
at some point you might not be exploring at some point that's like a permanent orientation maybe <laughs> uh and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna be married to my husband and our 40th anniversary i'll be like thank you for staying with me as i explore my sexuality <laughs> uh, thank you for marrying me a straight man like like i'm like oh god so i got into therapy specifically sought out an lgbtq therapist i kind of gave him this monologue on my first session about how i'm confused on the second session i started the monologue again and he goes zach you know when we say confused in the lgbtq like therapeutic setting and actually means something you don't seem confused mm. you, you seem very clearly bisexual like, like is there something you're not is there something i'm missing right now and i quickly responded oh that shit doesn't exist in men and he responded zach you're too smart to think that Ooh. which was such like a good ego jab too to like you know critique my intellect in that way like in the way like come on of course he fucking bisexuality exists it would be insane if it didn't exist in this world right that's a good therapist right that there is. i like that therapist right there um, in that moment of just like let me like kind of poke you a little bit to get yeah. you thinking. yeah and then from that all of a sudden i was like uh, like bisexuality became an option in a way that it was not before. And I'm you I'm actually stealing this option language from Fritz Klein, who's this very famous um kind of like Kinsey-like researcher who studied bisexuality and has a book called like The Bisexual Option. So I want to give him this credit. And he actually has a kind of a, a much more nuanced Kinsey scale that's called the Fritz Klein sexual orientation grid mm -hmm. that kind of looks at bisexuality and sexual fluidity in a much more nuanced way, which is worth checking out if you're interested. So initially, when I started like kind of embracing bisexuality. I thought I was like bi dash sexual, but hetero romantic, which means I can fuck anyone of all genders, uh, but I could only date and have romantic attraction towards women. And while that is a valid orientation, that was not mine. For me, it was just internalized biphobia and me not willing to embrace that I could love a man. And then the way I finally eventually had my light bulb moment, so to speak, is I was actually in Provincetown visiting my gay uncles and Provincetown for people who are not aware is on the tip of Cape Cod in Massachusetts. And it is this gay liberal bubble, but it's like, it's this gay beach town. Everyone there is fucking gay. And so <laughs> it, it's incredible when you're closeted to be there and to see all these guys holding hands with other guys, guys making out on the street, lesbians doing the same thing too, in a way that you, you don't ever exist in a space where like the majority of people are same sex couples embracing love, not afraid to kiss I, i'm still i live in new york i don't know if you just saw but a, a man was murdered yes, yesterday i saw that oh, yeah I see that oh my god he's like voguing in the parking lot or something for really voguing yeah. at a gas station yeah um yeah. and this gay man was murdered uh yeah. and stabbed oh. to death yeah. like, like like it is not safe in new york it is not mm. safe anywhere in the united states hate crimes happen all the time so like yes when i hold hands with a man I, I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm living in fear. Even though I'm a 6'4 dude, I've been attacked. I've been yelled at. I've been called a faggot. People try to hit me with their cars. Like, this is oh a God. real thing that yeah. happens. Everyone's like, oh, New York is so safe. I'm like, it is safer. Mm -hmm. But no, it's not so safe. Mm -hmm. It is not safe to be a queer person existing in this world, anywhere in the fucking world. Mm -hmm. But that's why places like Provincetown are so special, mm -hmm. so incredible. And you could see this in a way where people living without fear, people embracing same-sex intimacy... And while I was there, I ended up having this whirlwind 24-hour, like, I thought I was hooking up with this guy, and all of a sudden I had these, like, emotions, and I knew it wasn't love, but it was just like, you know, when you have those, like, vacation boyfriends, and you kind of, like, allow yourself to pretend it's love because you know you're going you're going your separate ways at the end of this, so why not just be real with each other and vulnerable, and you know it's going to end, and you kind of can have this 
fake but beautiful relationship. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to call it fake, but temporary, I'll say, relationship. So I kind of had this whirlwind experience with this man that made me realize that I have the capacity to actually love another man. Mm, nice. That's awesome. I think the perspective that you're providing is so important because, okay, the biphobia thing is real. So I used to say, and I've been in relationships with people that have vulvas and I never identified as a lesbian, but I also said I was bi-curious, which we were corrected actually by someone on the show because I had said that that I wasn't I wasn't honoring being bisexual. Wasn't it heteroflexible that was the issue, not bi-curious? Oh, I it was heteroflexible. It was heteroflexible. Okay, yeah. so that was it. So it was that heteroflexible is a privilege because you get the identity of okay. being mostly heterosexual, but you have the I've, ability to yeah. go, and then it makes it bi people more invisible. I think. Okay, regard regardless, I still feel felt That's like I take. was. It, it, it's an interesting perspective, and I and I stopped saying heteroflexible after that. And also, I recognized for myself that this evolution of of your sexuality and my orientation, yes, was experiential. And I and I remember when I was in relationships with um particularly one one woman um and in my early 20s, I remember being like, but I'm not lesbian. And it was hard for me like to wrap my head around the labeling that goes on and that there was this fluidity that can happen inside of of hooking up with people that have, you know, the similar parts to you. And it was, I grew up in a conservative family, unlike um, some folks, it wasn't really okay for me, I think, to, in my opinion, and maybe now I can ask my mom, but she knows that I had like plenty of curiosity and exploration with women now. But what I'm saying is to have it from the flip side, from your perspective, is really important because a lot of folks, I think they go through, they can go through life, maybe being curious about, um, exploring other, other people that maybe aren't the opposite sex. And I hate, and I hate that, that the term, but the opposite, or they're like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I think for me, I can relate to what you're speaking to because I've been in that space and for a long time where I felt like I was confused. I was like, oh, well, maybe like I remember hooking up with the, she, we were together for probably about a year, but closeted. And I remember being like, I just want a cock. I just missed the cock. And I'm like, so maybe this isn't what I'm. And then I remember hooking up with dudes later on and being like, I just miss like the feminine touch. So it's like, what's wrong with me almost was what I was going through. I, one or the other. I know because it's I have so black and white to me at the time. I have something that was pretty similar to that. Wait, hold on. I have a section of my book where I kind of do a Q&A where it, it's kind of a divergence from the rest of the, like the strict memoir format. But it's called, uh, oh, so you think you're bisexual, in quotes. Mm -hmm. And it's about all the comments and questions I've received when I've told people that I'm bisexual, how I have responded and how I wish I have responded. Mm. I have one other thing yes, I want to yes. say to that because I think that culturally, at least I'll speak to the United States or like the Western U.S., it is more, I'm doing air quotes, appropriate or uh, you know, socially co common or thought to be common, acceptable, for, acceptable for women, for, for Volvo owners to be bi, yeah. to like have, you want to hook up with other women. Whereas for men, it's a little more like, okay, that must make him gay. Like we, that, that still exists. That's still like a thing. Absolutely. How many heterosexual relationships? I, I know I've been with so many dudes that are like, I'll have a threesome if it's with another, but no other, no, but other no other dudes. And I'm and like, like, why not? That's a fucking double standard. Yes. What makes you think? Yeah, no, come on. Yeah, it's so funny. And it's so interesting when you the number of people who like, OK, so I just broke up with my partner, but we're still she and I are on good terms. It's fine. But I remember when we first started dating, I asked her like, oh, are you bi? And she said, no, I'm not bi. 
And then as we started dating, she spoke about like the many women that she has dated and loved and fucked. <laughs> and, and, and literally, I'm like, so, so you're clearly bisexual. And totally. she goes like, and she goes yeah. like, oh, I guess so. <laughs> uh, like, like, like in a way where like uh, she's like, you know, like I always saw myself kind of marrying a guy. So like it just didn't like register to me. I'm like, you were in love with this woman still. It's been like five years. And she's like, no, 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 I'm definitely bisexual. That makes sense. And I've had guy friends too, where it is funny when they're like, you know, because they're more likely to hook up with women, but like a friend of mine who I did tell him, I'm like, yeah, like most straight men, like don't get drunk and fuck other guys. That's usually just not what straight men do. I'm like, that's bisexual. He goes like, oh, Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But like in a way where they're doing this and it doesn't even register at times. And I think a lot of it is because this idea that bisexuality is 50-50. There's this uh -huh. idea that perfect like 50 50. Perfect 50-50 yeah. or because you're like, oh, I see myself potentially marrying a man or a woman, whatever it is, or I want my long-term partner to be of a different gender, like or the opposite sex, whatever the fucking word you want to use. But like <laughs> Uh, therefore, I'm not bisexual and being like, no, you, you still very much are bisexual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think this is the the realization. And I love that you're bringing this to the surface, to the people out there to normalize bisexuality. Right. It's an important yeah. thing. And so I, I had a question. I was just relating. Okay, who, who's going to ask? Oh, that? oh, oh that. did you find it in your book? Oh, no, I stopped looking. But I know where it is in the section. Like, it has to be one of these two places. Wait, hold on. OK, I keep talking. I'm going to find it. I'm going to so, find it. Now I'm well, inspired. If you can multitask, I do. I, I have a question because you did talk about therapy. And so here's here's the question. Sex and relationships is fucking complicated and as is life a lot of times and it can they can be difficult to to sort of navigate sex and relationships and if therapy isn't helping what does someone do what do you do yeah when you're like the or maybe the relationship with the therapist or, or all the work you've done you're like i'm stuck still I, yes i don't i'm confused i don't understand what like i i want to label myself as something or maybe not what do you what do you think? It's, you you um, fire a therapist? Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, I actually, that would be the first thing I'd say. Oh. I actually am someone who's a fan of changing therapists once every couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like often and especially you can do so sooner if you're still learning and growing with that therapist. But they have their one perspective. They have this day of you. They have their one approach. But if I, I remember I left my last therapist being like, hey, I feel like for the last six months, I've literally had the same issues you've kind of given the same responses and i feel very stuck right now so i'm looking for a different approach mm -hmm. so if you are still struggling and you feel like you keep having the same exact conversations with your therapist in various different ways then it, again doesn't mean they're a bad therapist but it just might be like okay they, they've done everything they can for you and try to find someone else try a different mm -hmm. approach you know yeah. try cognitive behavioral therapy dialectical dialectical therapy whatever the millions types of therapies are so right? many of them yeah um, yeah so I, I think yeah absolutely see a new therapist and i'm someone who yeah really after two years i tried to see a new one to be like okay I, I, I even if it's good i'm like i need a new perspective i need this mm -hmm. you know I, I think it's tough it's always good to if you're kind of stuck in your relationships and sex or whatever it is to kind of go back and look and see your patterns of behavior right you know especially for somebody struggling with relationships and everything seems to fail and you're like you are the common denominator right you are <laughs> yeah. you are the person of what it is i think it's always good to also seek advice from friends the best advice i get in my life is not from my therapist it is from my friends who know me incredibly well who are very thoughtful who are kind of more honest and blunt with me 
and reaching out being like, Hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z, whether it's my sexual, like, what are your, what are your thoughts? Like, you know me well. And so like going out seeking advice, of course, reading as much as humanly possible. There's so much information out there about sexuality, relationships, attachment style, non-monogamy, kinks, whatever it is. Read Boyslut, a memoir manifesto. Yeah, uh, but you, you know should. what I mean? But like, you know, there's just so much information out there. So it's like, okay, like learn, learn about yourself uh, is kind of the best thing that you can do. Yeah. And it's endless. April, we were actually just recorded earlier today with someone that we both worked with as our therapist during relationship issues. And and it was, you know, we're, we're dedicated to constantly learning. And we talk about sex and relationships as if we know everything, but we also say that we don't know everything because we have our own struggles. We've been on the show before where April and I are like, oh, I fucked up or I'm confused now, or I'm so heartbroken. I don't know what to do. So it's like being a forever student of yourself. And sometimes that means like finding different teachers to work with. Uh, and, and not just talk therapy all the time. Yeah. Sometimes talk therapy can be... I love talk therapy because it's so easy for me because I could just go yeah. blah, 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 blah. And I can do that all day. But it's like, <laughs> that's not necessarily always going to help you get to another level or the next phase. Not that you need to be like gaming um, and trying to get to level 16. <laughs> and it is important. And I've had some really great talk therapists. Like, I, yeah. And I get the tools, but then I, I will hit the, the, the time of like, I think every other work here is done and that's totally fine. Time for a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors who just so happens to be our absolute favorite lube, UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious silicone lubricant and it enhances intimacy. It's there when you want it and it blends in when you're done with it. So you have control over that lube. It's long lasting and leaves the skin extra velvety. And honestly, y'all, I want it all over my body. Thousands of doctors in the U.S. are recommending UberLube to their patients. It's body-friendly, less likely to change the pH, and it has vitamin E, so it feels extra moisturizing. There's a reason why we've been a fan of UberLube for years. There's no flavor or scent. It's even great for oral sex, everyone. But it's not just great for sex. You can use it for massage, your hair. You can prevent chafing. It even brings out the colors of your beautiful tattoos. And the bottle is absolutely gorgeous. It looks more like a cosmetic, so you can leave it anywhere shamelessly for easy access. Just go to uberlube.com and use the discount code SHAMELESS10 to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com right now with code SHAMELESS10 for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is also brought to you by OMGS.com. Join over 1 million people who are experiencing more pleasure with OMGS. They take scientific research of thousands of vulva owners showing techniques to pleasure that pussy. They turn this research into tasteful educational short videos, animated modules, and infographics. OMGS is for anyone who wants to learn about vulva pleasure or take it to the next level. Want to take your orgasms from good to out of this world? Then check out OMGS. Or if you're a vulva lover and want to up your pussy pleasuring skills, then you need to check out OMGS. I've personally been recommending OMGS to my clients for years, and it's completely changed their lives. They have three seasons, external pleasure, internal pleasure, and sex toys. It's not a subscription service, and you don't need to download a thing. OMGS also makes a fabulous gift, and your purchase supports more pleasure research. So just go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Again, that's omgs.com shameless to receive 10% off 
unlimited access towards enhancing your pleasure power. The link is in the episode's description. Okay, so it looks like he found it. Okay, what? What? Tell us. Tell so, us more. So I found it, and this was now in reference to kind of April. What we were saying about how, like, oh, I'm with a woman, and I sometimes miss dick, or I'm with a man, and I miss a, a feminine touch, and so you know, I'm not sure exactly what this means. Does this mean I'm bisexual? Does it mean I'm not liking it? Whatever it is. So, this is yeah in the chapter where I'm answering the questions that people continuously ask of me, and also breaking them down a little bit. So a common question I get is, are you equally attracted to men and women? Uh, And here's my response. So first and foremost, this question excludes non-binary people. The correct way to uh, ask this question is, are you equally attracted to all genders? The short answer is, I don't know. The long answer is, there's so much that goes into attraction that it's challenging to to quantify and parse out. Compared to other bi and pan people I know, I seem to be more equally attracted to all genders, at least if you're looking at my body count, which I don't recommend. (laughs) While I really don't have a preference for a specific gender, I can tell you that regardless of gender, I know what I'm attracted to. I like them thick, whether that be your breasts, your ass, your dick, or your arms. Yes, I know my attractions are a tad bit basic. However, when I sleep with a ton of men, I notice that I miss sleeping with women. And when I'm sleeping with lots of women, I miss men. When I haven't slept with trans or non-binary people, I miss them. And when I haven't boned a goth self-proclaimed bimbo or short (laughs) king, I miss them too. Essentially, I'm missing everyone all the time. I don't think about this question often because I don't glean anything from the answer. Let's say I am slightly more attracted to women than men. So what? The only pertinent thing is if I find you attractive. It doesn't matter if I'm typically attracted to another gender more. What matters is what matters is if I want to jump your bones here and now. <laughs> um, so then I say how I've responded, how I've responded to this question. I'm pretty 50-50, though sometimes I find myself more attracted to men and other times more attracted to women. Um, how I wish I responded, I'm not sure, but what I do know is I want to fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I, I really do. I have a question from what you just shared. Because you were saying, you know, bisexual pan, and you're saying you're actually can can be attracted to all genders. Um, And so to you, what is the difference between being bisexual and pan? Oh, I talk about this kind of a a lot in the book, actually, because I think there's a lot of confusion even among bi and pan people. Mm -hmm. So I'm bisexual and I'm attracted to people of all genders. To me, bisexuality does not perpetuate a gender binary. It is not uh, exclusive of trans or non-binary people. Um, I think there was this idea that by because by meant two, it meant like, you know, uh, both like genders, men and women. Hence and I'm my like, opposite sex. I was yeah, like, I was yeah. being I was being sex. cheeky. Yeah. But yes, it, yeah. absolutely. It, 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 it's so clear when we had the word bisexual, we didn't have the nuanced understanding of gender that we do now. The people who came up with bisexual were not like, but fuck non-binary people. We're not including them. It was just like <laughs> it was just like this is the word that we had. And so for me, I really resonate with this word. I I identify as a, as opposed to pan because everyone knows what that means Every, what, what bi means like as a word versus like i write for men's health i have a lot of guys in their 50s and 60s who read my work who search through me through googling bisexual they don't even know what the word pansexual means they yeah. would not be able to find my work the word bisexual kind of has this rich legacy you know the lgbt community you know marcia p johnson sylvia rivera these are bi activists i want to honor them and so if you want to identify as pan, uh, identify however you see fit. But I think this is just a word that we can rally behind. It is an umbrella term. It is an inclusive term. It's a word that people mean. And I don't necessarily know if we need 
you know, 10 million, you know, there's ambisexual, pansexual, polysexual, sexually fluid, sexually, like, and so for me, it's like, okay, I want to have a word that everyone knows and means, and it's very all encompassing for me. Yeah, when it's up to you to decide what works for when you. When I think of pansexual, exactly. I think of the energy, right? That's what that's what I think. So, You're attracted to energy. That's what so, I always consider so pansexual. Now, Am I wrong? So again, there are different definitions. That's, now kind of what's happening is bisexuality means you're attracted to people because of gender okay. versus pansexuality means you're attracted to people regardless of gender. That's mm. that's how so, I feel about my sexuality. So, I, I feel like it doesn't matter what you're rocking between your your legs no no and for me i'm attracted to it i'm attracted to masculinity i'm attracted to femininity i'm attracted to androgyny i'm attracted to all body parts so it's not Mm -hmm. a lack of attraction it's not that i don't care it's that i actually love all of it so that in that way bisexuality would make more sense as opposed to pansexuality wouldn't actually make sense for me yeah i and i love i love hearing all these different perspectives here or or ways of approaching this because ultimately we get to decide. No one else gets to decide yeah, what my orientation exactly. is. Like, you know, you yeah, you don't get to tell me like you're you know, you you're this because you do this. I get to decide that for myself. And yes, I will abide by consent. Doesn't mean I get to touch whoever I want to, but I get to decide what of what label I want to take on. Like when my mom decided she was going to start dating women in her, I think she was like sixty. She didn't want a label, so she had no label. She's just dating women now because labels are for food. Yeah, labels. Yeah, that's in our book. Uh, labels are for food. And then my mom then was like, okay, I'm bisexual. And oh, no, sorry, it was queer before bisexual. And then it was so it was queer. And then it was bisexual. And now I think she's just kind of hanging out with no label again. And and that's awesome because, you know, good for her. And that's up to her to decide. And I think more people not should, but could embrace that more, especially if you feel like you are, your sexuality is more fluid. Not everyone is moving through sexuality in a really, I mean, we're all fluid in some way, but like, you're not, maybe your orientation is not, not shifting a lot. You know, I identify as like annoyingly, painfully straight. Um, and, and you have attraction to women, but when it comes to touching them, I'm like, feels like I'm 16 again and hooking up with a guy I'm not into. And, and they could be like drop dead gorgeous and dominant. Cause I'm into dominant submission stuff. And still I'm like, what the fuck? It'd be so awesome. Cause we're like, oh, yeah, anyways, that's just me. So I want to bring forward though. To another part of your book. Let's go. Let's keep moving along here. We can't help but ask about Don't Be Gay, Just Shove It Up Your Ass. Great title. A great title. And the next one's also great. A Peg for Every Hole. Please elaborate. (laughs) Uh, Also fabulous. Um, So those are like starting to get into my kink chapters, right? Um, So Don't Be Gay, Just Shove It Up Your Ass (laughs) is about how I fell in love uh, with anal play. And the irony was that it was my girlfriend was the person who got me to fall in love with anal. Uh, and there I already was out as bi at this point. And I think I bottomed once in my life with the guy who I trusted. We were dating, worked in the same office together. And like, I had a terrible experience doing it. Mm. I like if you've never bottomed before and the only experience you have is like shit coming out of your ass. So you just think you're shitting the entire yeah. time. That's what it yeah. feels like. And so I kept on being like, am I shitting on you? And he's like, no, you're fine. He's like, I'm like, I really think I'm shitting. And finally around like the sixth time, he's like, if you shit, you shit. Please stop asking if you're shitting on me. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. And, and I'm, I'm like, fine. I was clenching for dear life, not breathing. Aww. Definitely did not use enough lube. Uh, after we had sex, like I went to wipe and it was just like all blood. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and, and, and I was like, you know what? Bottoming's not for me. And there's enough gay bottoms out there that I'm doing a service by being a proper top. <laughs> but then when I dated this woman and I and she was so excited to do butt stuff on me and I told her my experience and she's like, well, you did everything wrong. Like you literally <laughs> did absolutely everything wrong. 
like I, I really want you to do this. This is like something that really turns me on. And I really think you'd love it and enjoy it. And so she kind of told me what I need to do. She's like, watch porn, make sure you're aroused, you know, relax, breathe, use a ton of lube. For some reason, what I ended up doing was going in the shower and using conditioner, which is, again, not good. I'm trying to not fall over while watching, like, I'm, like, contorting like a pretzel, trying to not fall Wait, over in the shower. Wait, conditioner to masturbate? You conditioning No, in my asshole. It's, oh. like, as lube in my asshole. I've never do heard it. of don't that. Don't do that, because <laughs> it's not a thing. Don't do it. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why. Don't do it. And this so is why everyone her, needs Uber lube. Uber lube. No conditioner. It, yeah. <laughs> it's literally why. And I told her what happened. She's like, you didn't do anything right again. Like, what's the fuck? <laughs> like, I literally told you what to do. You did not do it right. She's like, Zach, I- I'm going to finger your asshole. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, since I'm such an amazing boyfriend, yes. And so she did. I fucking love it. She was blowing me while fingering my asshole. It was amazing. Life-changing. I came my face off and then became obsessed with it. Um, but then <laughs> I, also I this... like this person. Can I just say? I really uh, like, I like she's her. She's great. I'm trying yeah. to remember what's her fake name in the book. I think Jenny is her fake name. Okay. I always, Sometimes in interviews, I've like said the real name. I'm like, uh, can you ah, believe that? Yeah. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I forgot what the fake name is. But I also, the larger context of the book is how anal play on men is not specifically gay, right? Like, we have a prostate, it feels good. If you want a man to fuck you in the ass, yes, that is very gay. Mm. But if you're just enjoying, you know, the actual pleasure of it, and a lot of it's talking about how we need to expand our definition of kind of like heterosexuality and masculinity in a way, because right now we have such a limited like that de- definition of what it means to be a man and anything outside of that is like queer or non-binary in a way where I'm like, I actually think we're doing a disservice. We're not allowing like men to explore. And since we know gender is a construct, then it means like, okay, then we can expand what masculinity is. But because, you know, men are so afraid of being perceived of as gay or effeminate, they don't engage in anal play. They don't dress the way that they want to dress. And I actually think there would be less homophobia if we allowed straight men to be more effeminate, to explore these things in a way where we don't immediately call them gay. So it's actually being like me talking about how we need to expand masculinity. Uh, We need to be uh, supportive of everyone and uh, allow them to explore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, when we worked at when Pure Pleasure, now it's just online, but when, when I started my career in the sex toy industry and worked at the at Peer Pleasure. The brick and mortar. I remember I would love... My favorite customers were a couple when it was like a dude and his partner uh, that was a woman, usually shopping for a dildo that she could peg him with. And I'd be like... And they would kind of be timid at first. And then there were certain couples that would come back for bigger dildos later, like a few months later. And I was like, how'd it go? Like I love that. And I just (laughs) thought it was so fucking badass. And that's the thing. And that was 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. So... You'd think that we'd we'd be so much further, uh, that we've taken a step, uh, a a huge leap forward instead of tiny steps. And I think that perhaps reframing just that age-old patriarchal uh, Mm. establishment of, of, uh, if you get anything in your butt, you're gay. It's like, no. We were just talking this. We we recorded a podcast with Charlie Glickman earlier, and it's on Mm. prostates and buttholes is the title. Um, and, And we were just talking about this. The behavior does not determine your orientation. Exactly, it is like it's, you're deciding. It's about who you're attracted to, and like you, like again, you decide it. But you do a thing; it doesn't make you a thing. Yeah. Um. You know, of course, like abiding by consent. But there's all these ideas. Like what he had a, a funny example of, like I think it was with pizza or something. Like I don't know. He has an interesting example. I listen to that episode if you want to hear more than that. But that's exa- that's what you're saying too. It's like. You know, yeah. I'm I'm doing this thing. This doesn't make me a certain way. I just discovered this is pleasure and I like it in this way. And I also have a prostate and ass and I might be a man. And 
It and feels maybe good. I like my partner, who's a woman, to peg me. Plenty of straight dudes like to be pegged. I just had this conversation with a bunch of straight dudes the other day, yeah. and they're like, "No." I was like, "Do you know what pegging is?" They're like, "What do you mean pegging?" And I was like <laughs> telling them, and they're like, it's "That like would make me gay." And I was like, "No, it doesn't." I know the weed industry, the cannabis industry, sometimes oh in California. I'm like, "Bros, you got to stop broing out so much. <laughs> Too much bro. We yeah. got to get less testosterone here, and let's just give you some information." And it's fine if you say you're not into it. That's cool. You don't do it. That's cool. Right. That doesn't mean if someone no, else. Does I it, feel like they'll shut themselves no off harm, from no trying problem. it because they're afraid. You're missing out. I heard oh, there's a really magical do. button. Most straight men do. Yeah. Right. So. Um, that was good tangent because yes, <laughs> I, good I appreciate all that. So here's here's another one for you, Zach. <laughs> from your book. From mm-hmm. your book. Once a cheater, always polyamorous. I think I get it, but please tell me more. Sure. So that chapter, I have two chapters. That's a, that's a two-parter on that one because there was too much to um, discuss there. But yeah, so I've been polyamorous for about a decade as well. I think it really did coincide with me embracing my bisexuality. There is a big intersection for me personally. And I don't want to, of course, I say that it's like, no, not all bi people are poly, but I am. Yes, I am bi and poly, right? And yeah, I think a lot of what those chapters were about was figuring out what the best relationship style is for you. You know, I think we have this idea that relationships are, especially monogamous relationships, have to look this one way to be successful. And if you're able to step off that relationship escalator, if you no longer define a relationship success by longevity, you know what I mean? There's so many people, and I think about my parents' age, who it's like they have hated their spouses for forever and they've been together for 40, 50 years and one dies and they consider their relationship a success because they've remained married for 50 years. And I'm like, this sounds like a, a complete failure to me. This sounds <laughs> yeah. like a, like you were miserable for 50 years. But in their minds, nope, we stayed together through thick and thin and I stood by my word and therefore this was a successful relationship. I'm like, what a sad life. That's you my mother. I swear. That, it's so sad. It, it, it's just like that is like... Again, I, I'm not trying to say so in a condescending, pedantic way, but I mean, like, the, that is just sad. And so what these chapters I do is try to be, even within monogamy, being like, these are the various ways that you can have a different type of relationship and how you can build your own relationship with someone else and how it can be, you know, non-monogamous, poly, open, even if you are monogamous, how it can be maybe more egalitarian if you're a man and a woman dating in a way that is more beneficial to you, in a way that's more... Yeah, that you feel more love with each other, or you can have a relationship where sex is not the glue that holds it together, right? And I talk about that in the book, too, where someone as highly sexual as me, and I love having sex with my partners, but sometimes that sex kind of like, for me, often sex is about the newness, the novelty, the excitement, the kink. And when I love someone, it's like, oh, I love you. I don't want to have sex with you. I love you. You're my my partner. (laughs) You know what I mean? And being like, even someone like me who's so highly sexual and loves sex, but maybe doesn't want to have so much sex with my primary partner, that doesn't mean anything's wrong with our relationship. Doesn't mean I necessarily have intimacy issues or avoidance issues. It just means like, okay, how can I find a relationship where we still have strong intimacy together and we love each other and we support each other and we respect each other and we feel, you know, loved but sex isn't the glue. So how is that relationship going to work? Mm. So these chapters were really kind of showing you what the options can be and encouraging you to discover what your unique relationship orientation is and then kind of giving you the tools to go out and find it. 
I love that what what you just said about the that because I think that's for some people are like wait 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 if we're having sex we're supposed to love each other right or like I, the person I love I should want to fuck all the time and like we see this in long term monogamous relationships less phase ends and all of a sudden there's less sex this isn't all of them yeah but this is common and, and common most of them <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah like you're the twenty years your your sex life will change and your body will change it's just inevitable and um, don't try to hold on to it but we, so so we don't, we look at that as like that's normal though. But like what wouldn't be normal air quotes would be okay you know, for and not everyone's poly right but for a poly person like okay here's my partner who I love who I have sex with but I'm actually more interested in having sex with other people where there isn't that like deep love maybe or maybe it's like caring or care yeah. caretaking for kind of thing that and you're saying like in your experience like that's that's part of your operating system and that there's nothing unusual it, about that and that's me and I got it's so tough I've gotten a lot of plaque for this chapter and being like you are encouraging emotional avoidance and emotional like people with attachment issues or people who have sexual trauma and you're enabling them to not have sex with their partner and not working on it and i'm like mm, no yeah. i i no. mean like like you know it, it absolutely could be that and that's the reason why they don't want to have sex with their partner because they have emotional trauma or intimacy issues whatever it is and of course you should work on that as well but I think some people are hardwired differently. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sex is different for different people. And also sex wanes over time. So actually, if your relationship is solely based off of sex, and that's the glue that holds you together, you actually might be in trouble six yeah. months, a year, two years down the line when that starts fading a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I got a lot of flack for that. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not trying to enable emotionally avoidant people or people with attachment issues. I'm just trying to be like, hey, you might have a different relationship with sex. And if you do, that's okay. And how... And how can you have love and intimacy but with your partner if sex might not be the most important thing or end all be all? Yeah. Haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. Like, always haters going to hate. And I won't name names yeah. or give details, but I actually am working with a client who has a similar uh, experience as you, but as a partner with someone where sex isn't the main thing that they want to share with their primary and that person, their partner wants to share it with more with some other people. And um, mm -hmm. so this has been really helpful for me because I'm yeah, going to meet with them sometimes. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So as we wrap up, if you could give your top tip for embracing your inner empowered sluttery oh, what would it be <laughs> it could be two tip tips, for, tips. Team tips. I, I think what it is is exploring and learning what you like and then learning I, I guess okay three parts three parts to this so number one learn what you like explore without judgment or shame learn how to ask for what you like and without shame. And then third, learn how to accept rejection gracefully. Mm -mm. Right. So I think it's like if you can get in a place where you feel comfortable asking, like knowing what you want, asking for it, you'd also you're shocked by how often if you ask for something, you're actually able to get it if you do so in a kind way. Obviously, if we're going up to a random stranger asking them to fuck. No, I mean, <laughs> you have to have some rapport, some relationship here. But a lot of people are like down to be explorative. Uh, down to explore. And then, yeah, I think rejection is kind of the last important component of this. And I actually have a whole chapter of rejection in the book, too. And how to take where, on rejection or... Yeah, how to both uh, like handle rejection, how to reject other people. Both mm, are very both, important. Oh, both very important, okay. yeah. Both very important. And being like, if you're going to be a slut, you're going to get rejected. You know what I mean? And that is okay. And if that is soul-crushing, that that's that's going to negatively impact your mental health the same way if you're a slut or at least for me 
I still sometimes struggle rejecting people. That's actually, I'm fine with getting rejected, but rejecting other people I really struggle with. And a lot of people get very angry or upset when I reject them, especially when your moniker is the boy slut and you talk about having sex with everyone and then you don't have sex with this one person. They're like, what the fuck? But you fuck everyone. I'm like, well, I don't Aww. actually have sex with everyone. You, you yeah. know that, right? Like, slut like, does not mean you fuck yeah, everyone. Like, it's maybe it's more than one person. Yeah, like, no, I still do have, like, standards, and I'm not going to, like, have sex with you just because you asked me. Although, if you're really hot, I probably would. But, like, um, but like, so, and I, yeah, with rejecting people, I've gotten chewed out. People have gotten so mad and so angry at me. Or if, like, we hooked up once and it was fine, I didn't want to date with them again. They'd be like, you used me for sex? And I'm like, what? Well, I just we hooked up and I didn't enjoy it. Like, what? So now I have to marry you? Like, like I don't understand. Like, now we're together for forever. So I think, yeah, that's the last component is being learning how to accept rejection gracefully and being honest and direct when rejecting other people, letting them feel their emotions because often people get upset and then continuing on your merry way here. Mm-hmm. It sounds like with those tips, those three, and maybe not the four, with rejection, I think that's a almost a separate yeah, practice. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, no, yeah. but I, I value that because I, I struggle with rejection in general in, in life, if, even if I if I don't get a, I don't, like what in sales, you know, with, with, with my company, with hot octopus, I'll like get a rejection, uh, talking about how the penis toys, you know, they they didn't sell in the store and I feel like it's a rejection. I just like, I feel like my tail goes between my legs and I just start to be like, Whoa. and it's so hard. And it's, this isn't, it's parallel because it, it happens to me in my, um, I've had a lot of compliant sex because of that. Now I'm more aware, but I have had because not being able to reject people and being rejected on the same end has been really difficult in my journey in life, whether it's like sex or, or friendship or life when you, and or anything that's happening. You're a caretaker of people's emotions. Yeah. So you want everyone to feel good. You don't want to hurt people. You don't want to disappoint people. And that's his own level of work because we're always going to be disappointing. I'm struggling. I, I, yeah. That is my therapy. That is yeah, the bulk too. of my therapy is being like, why do I feel so responsible for other people's emotions? Yeah. Like, Where does like, that wh- come from, Zachary? And you can't take it on. on. Oh, it's up with ch- childhood. Okay, I know. I know. We, oh, know yeah. we know about this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. oh my God. We're probably all in the same therapy. Let's go. <laughs> I know. I mean, I always was a pleaser. Um, also, though, setting the rejection piece aside, I just wanted to highlight that practicing, I think, would probably be the best way that for the top tips, those kind of yeah. those three pieces practicing. I know that it gets easier the more you speak to your own needs, the more you it's practice. It's a muscle you flex. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's like a great way. Also, tapping into your own pleasure, learning about your own body, not expecting any partners to bring you your pleasure. You have to be able to know what you're into to guide folks that you're hooking up with or that you're in long-term partnerships with. Yeah. 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 So I I just wanted to highlight that. I love sluttery. I love, I I love sluttery too. And, and slut is not a bad word in my dictionary, but neither is fuck or cock or shit or damn or balls. balls. Uh, So that, that all said, I, I really enjoyed speaking with you. I know that Amy did too. This was so fun. Yeah. Was, yeah. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. You're you're a badass. Uh, you're a badass boy slut. So how Hey-o. can people how can people find you, your book, all the things? Sure. I know you've been on a lot of podcasts. We adore you. So also your fun factory dildo. Ooh, oh yeah. yeah. I have to do a plug. I have literally a fun factory dildo that is a dildo in bisexual flag colors. And it is a smaller dildo. It has less than five inches of insertable length. So it's definitely good for beginners. If you are a guy who wants to try pegging, this is also compatible with a harness. 
It is a suction too. It's a great beginning dildo and it's a way to show your buy pride, but that's on Fun Factory and you can actually buy the dildo or package it while buying the book and you get a discount. What's the call? What's the dildo oh, name? Oh, it's called literally it's called the Buy a More. Okay, buy uh, a more. The, do you have a the, special the, discount code for it that to that people get, or how do they? I do not. I could probably okay. ask Fun Factory for one. Oh, they um, just go to the website to see. Yeah, it. Okay. Go to the website. Okay. Dot us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Also, so when you go uh, to Google or Amazon for boy slut, you have to do it as one word. It is one word, and the re- and that's on purpose because I would have gotten fucked if it was two words because slut is a bad word. So I would have gotten dinged and not come up oh. on Amazon. So we actually had to do it as one word because that doesn't like register the same way. But people be like, I can't find your book, but I know it's everywhere. And I'm like, it's one word. So that's the issue. But yeah, yeah. so Boy Slut, it's on Amazon. It's at anywhere books are sold. And then, yeah, honestly, the best way to follow me is on Instagram, Zachary Zane underscore the underscore at the end. And then my website is ZacharyZane.com where you can follow yeah be up to date with the things that i'm up to and learn more about me and you're zach with a ch not a ck right yeah z-a-c-h-a-r-y-z-a-n-e underscore all right and you write you still have your column with men's health yeah oh oh so two more yeah i should plug everything really okay so i also (laughs) write uh sexplain it which is the sex and relationship advice column at men's health that is a weekly column and yeah you can write in for your questions and i'll answer them I also just recently got a non-monogamy column at Cosmo, which is monthly. And then last but certainly not least, I have a digital zine on Substack called Boy Slut, which is either great branding or very confusing. (laughs) But that is different than the book. This is actually just I publish nonfiction erotica. So sex stories that have happened to real people. And I'm letting you know now it is extremely raunchy. It is extremely graphic. I write yeah. most of the stories, but I also have contributors. So once a month, uh, someone comes in with their wild sex story and I write about it. And so it's erotic. It's fun. People love to tell me exactly when they came while reading it, which I appreciate. That's and there's hot. always like a fun... I try to do something with like a larger overarching narrative too. So it's like something I learned about myself, something that speaks to the intersection of like tech and sex or something different and unique. So there is... It's not just smut smut. There is like some cool learning aspects to it as well. And I am telling a story, but it is extremely raunchy. So yeah, that's Boy Slut and that's on my sub stack. And if you Google Boy Slut one word, my book will come up. The sub stack will come up. I will come up. That's the way to kind of find all of my... uh all my stuff there. And for clarity, I know everyone got it, but boy slut isn't just for boys. Uh, oh, yeah. Or it's it's for anyone over yes. 18, I'm assuming, but uh, anyone... Yes, over yes. 18, I think is good. I think well, that's you, a good... You can say that, but I'm going to say I think some, you know, you know, bisexual, bi-curious folks that are 16 probably could benefit from it because it's not going to ruin their lives, but that's just me, but you probably can't say that. It's, I mean, someone asked me recently, like being like, hey, I'm a teacher. I have like some kids who are gay by 16, 17. And like, what do you think? Is it appropriate for them? And I said, you know, this is a book I wish I had when I was 16. Yeah. Um, that said, th- there is a lot of raunchy content in here. There's a, a lot of stuff in here that you oh, might want to read. Oh, the things they're hearing on the playground and yeah, watching I mean, porn, they're fucking fine. Yeah, I God. think it's fine. But I'm like, I'm like yeah. also, I'm like, you should be a teacher and read it yourself and yeah, decide. decide. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. maybe that's what you should do if you're a mom, like reading. Yeah. I, I had a mom who came to one of my readings with their daughters who were like 15, and it was actually so beautiful. In the way that like she was clearly supporting her daughters, 15, 16, I guess the age, they had some questions. They had recently had as bisexual, but she wanted to be there because I am a raunchy, more explicit. You, you didn't even actually yeah. get that scope in, in this, but usually I am. And I was like, what a great fucking mom. 
Mm-hmm. But, but a great way to be there and to frame it the way she wants to frame it and to buy the book and read it with their daughters. Yeah, I don't think you. I, I think that you also are educational because, like the raunchy thing to me, I, I don't. I don't receive that. Granted, there, I'm sure there's some there's some excerpts that could be maybe a little bit more taboo or wild. However, I the think the King's that, chapters, yeah, yes, mm-hmm. and that's that's okay. You could just rip those pages out if you have a 15. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I don't want to. Yeah, you absolutely you could. could. But it just like all. I just it doesn't make kids do it more. I'm sorry. Like kids read something about a kink scene. Not kids. I'm talking about a 12 year old. Let's say like a 16 or 17 year old. They read a kink scene in a book or they see it in porn. It does not make them want to like necessarily go out there and do the thing. They might be turned on. It might be a spank bank, but it's not like, oh no, I I have to do that. That's not like a guaranteed fact that they will do it if they read it or see it. So and I know yeah, you course. know this, but like, you know, society no, still no. thinks so. No, no, it's good. No, it's good to uh, yeah. tell listeners here. They're gonna be I okay. Think your book is just intelligent and beautiful, and thank so you. necessary. So I thank really you, Zachary it. Zane, for just creating this beautiful book, and for your columns that are now available everywhere. Check out all of Zachary's offerings or Zach's offerings. Um, and Zachary yes, Zane. to our listeners out there, we love you so much. Remember, the reason this is free to you is because of our carefully chosen ad. People, their their products, their services, anything that we hand select, Amy and I do really choose carefully. So buy the stuff that we have on our ads. Don't just skip over. It's usually really at a good deal. And uh, the other piece is we're here every Tuesday, free for you. And if you rate us on iTunes and or Spotify, just do both. Yeah, if do you both. can, if you have time, just do both. Actually, they don't even let you write anything on Spotify. So oh, that's that easy. Just, you just bam, listen to it stars. for about thirty to sixty minutes, and just give us five stars. It helps more people out there find folks like Zachary Zane and all of the experts, doctors, uh, sex educators, and uh, at L. That that's for you, Zachary, because I know that you're a, an author. So at L is and more, right? So, um, <laughs> so it helps people find you're these smart. folks so they can they can help themselves have more amazing sex. All right, y'all. That's all I have for you. And that's all Amy has. And Zachary, he has more. I'm sure he's... Go he's read a whole book coming at you. Yes. 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 Yeah. yes. yes, yes, yes. All right. We love you all. We'll see you next Tuesday. Take care. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, Use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com.